Hey guys, when we begin to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's going to podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. You guys can find the podcast on YouTube, like and subscribe there. And then you can also find the podcast anywhere that you get your podcast. And we're just so thankful that you guys are here and that you guys have found us today. Okay, so if you're watching the video portion of it, you can see I've got the merch on. The merch is finally in. I was excited to get the package the other day. So right now I've got the farmer's hat on with the logo in the front. Um, it's kind of like a snapback hat. I really love this this style of hat. It's really comfortable. Um, then I've also got like a champion sports jacket. It, it kind of reminds me of kind of like a windbreaker. Um, it's got the logo imprinted there on the side, and the colors really pop. Um, I'm really pleased of how they turned out. There, there's different colors of all these. Um, so I will leave the link in the description if you guys want to go check that out. And uh, you can find what you like and, and maybe order something. And what we're doing, and we're actually using this as an evangelistic tool. So obviously, you know, with people having logos and podcasts that they uh, wear on their shirts, people ask questions. You know, we've already had people, uh, you know, say they've listened. So that's great, but we want to kind of up that a little bit. So this is what we're doing, and we're just really thankful that we have an opportunity uh, to evangelize. And we've had, uh, you know, people talk about it, and, and we're just really thankful um, for what the Lord is doing for us here. Okay, so here's our topic. So um, as we look at what we're talking about today, I looked at the previous podcast that I've done. So up, well, this is 231 today. But up to this point, it's been 230 episodes. So out of all 230, I've got great um, traction on all of them. And I'm thankful to you guys for that. But the, the most popular one that I've done in the past four and a half years was the Lord gave you this mountain. The Lord gave you this mountain. And if you have not listened to that one, go back and check that one out so you can kind of understand where we're going with this one. But just like a brief, brief synopsis of that one. It was really understanding uh, where the Lord has us. Sometimes it feels like we're in this dark tunnel and it feels like there's we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel and we don't understand why the Lord has given you this situation, why the Lord has allowed certain things to happen. And we looked at Joseph and Job and different examples of a good God allows things to happen. And so sometimes maybe things in your life have been allowed to happen and you kind of understand, well, why? Why does it have to be this way? But the Lord gave you this mountain. And so maybe he gave you that mountain so that you can have the strength to do what, what Peter did in Luke chapter 22. Maybe he needs you to hurdle this mountain so that you can help somebody else that's going to climb the same one. You know, maybe you need to climb that mountain um, so you can have compassion. You can gain strength. You can gain love. You can gain certain things. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today is sometimes in those hard times, that's God's avenue of how he helps his people to gain certain attributes that he has. And so sometimes we kind of try to rush through that, but maybe the Lord is giving you this mountain so that you have an opportunity to gain a certain aspect of God as you're going through what he's allowing. So that was kind of the first one, but I'm like, you know what, let's do a part two. So we're going to do a part two of that podcast today. But we're going to entitle it the same thing. The Lord gave you this mountain. It is well. The Lord gave you this mountain. It is well. You know, we sing, we sing a song that's entitled just that, It is well with my soul. It's a great song. Beautiful, beautifully written song. 
Um, it's just beautiful when everybody's singing that together. But there's been a part that I've always loved in that song. Um, musically, I love that part, but also just the words. I love this part when it comes. It mentions, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. You know, for us with the mountains that the Lord has allowed, the things that he've allowed to happen in our lives and in your life, it is well. Whatever my lot, you know, can you say that? Can I say that right now? Whatever lot that the Lord allows me to have at the current moment, am I satisfied with the lot that he's given me? Think about the trust. Think about the the care and concern that that would have to take for you to love God enough to say whatever you allow, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say it is well. So for us, what we can do, maybe you're going through a tough time right now. Maybe things are difficult for you right now. You know, maybe right now your mountain is, is, is so unique and maybe your mountain is so difficult to climb that you just feel like you cannot overcome this. I mean, it, like the example we used before, maybe it feels like you've just been constantly going through this dark tunnel and you just don't see a way out. But you're moving and you're moving and you've worked and you've worked and you've tried to improve year after year after year. But it's like, why am I why am I working this hard for no results? You know, and it can get hard. It can get hard. And sometimes, you know, you can look around and you can see other mountains and you're like, man, I, I just wish that was mine. I wish that mountain was mine. I wish that situation was mine. I wish this situation was mine. But as we talked about in the last podcast, it's not. So sometimes what we can do, we're wasting time comparing your situation to somebody else's because your situation is not somebody else's right now. This situation that you're in, God gave to you. Now, people make their choices. Things happen. But when those things happen, it's not like, well, I want you to come from this type of home. God doesn't do things that way. But what God does is based off the decisions that we make, God can still use you. And he can still use your specific situation and your specific mountain to glorify him. That's how powerful he is. So for us, when we talk about it as well, right now, currently, wherever you are, can you truly say right now that whatever lot the Lord has allowed to you, can you still say it is well? That's what we're going to look at. I'm really excited about this one, and I hope this guy, this one can help you guys um, as it's helped me as, uh, as we study for this. And before we get started, shout out to uh, Grant Molinex for this, too. You helped me out to study this one. Uh, so I appreciate that um, as, we, as we move forward. So before we kind of look at this a little bit more in depth, let's try to answer this question. So let's think about it. It is well. When you think about it is well, there's a certain level of uh, – of contentment there. And so with contentment, it's almost like when, when you think about that word being content, um, are you satisfied? Are you okay with where you are? So here's, here's where we want to go with this, with that statement of it is well. Here's the initial question we, I think we got to answer. Is it only well when things are going well? Is it only well when things are going well for you. So think about the mountain that you're on. So when things are good for you right now, right, 
is it well? But first sign of adversity, first sign of things going bad, does that mean things are always bad? I think sometimes we have this concept, especially even as Christians sometimes, that things are only well in my life. Things are only okay. Things are only well when things are going well. And that's first sign that things are not going well for me, when things get uncomfortable for me, when things get hard for me, then right now, it's not well for me right now. But here's what I propose that we do as we study. Let's look at these questions from God's perspective. So is it only well when things are going well? So think about the rich ruler. Remember when the rich ruler came to Christ? And remember when he said, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him all the things that he needed to do. And what did the rich ruler say? He said that I've been doing this since my youth. So from his youth up to that current point that he met Jesus, what do you think that he was thinking? Things are well. Things are well. But what did Jesus tell him? You lack one thing. Sell all that you have and give to the poor. So when Jesus told him to sell all that he had and give to the poor, then just because things were going well for him, he thought were things actually well. No, he still had things to work on. You know, I think about this example too, and I want to look at this one. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. You think about Solomon. Solomon had everything he could have ever wanted. You know, he could have, he had everything. He had wisdom. He had money. He had fame. He had everything. But just because he had everything, was everything well with Solomon? No, everything was not well. So to answer that question, is it only well when things are going well? No, it's not. Now let's go to this idea of this mountain. So when we talk about wisdom, strength, love, compassion, mercy, peacemaking, meekness, all those qualities in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus has. Here's the question that we have to answer before we go to Ecclesiastes 3. In order to gain all of those things in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 9, are we going to get those things from good times? So how do you truly know how to be a peacemaker? You have to be in a chaotic situation to exercise being peaceful. How do you know that you're meek? How, do, how can you develop meekness? You have to be in a situation where you have to hold back the strength that you have. You know, so we develop these things that God has prescribed for us to have in Matthew 5. We don't develop those things when things are well. Now, we can hone those. We can study when things are well. We can prepare when things are well. But to really use them, we use those during difficult times. So if there's a storm in your life right now, if the mountain seems too big, if things are hard right now, could it be possible that in your mind, you think this is the worst time in your life right now? But in God's eyes, could God be saying to you, as things are hard for you, could God be saying, no, it's not that bad. It's actually well. Because you don't know what I'm trying to do in this storm. So that's the crazy part about this is the times that we deem in our personal lives as this is a bad time right now. This is a difficult time right now. This is a very 
disappointing time right now, God could actually be saying it is well. It is well. So think about Solomon from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He had everything, but here's what Solomon did. Solomon ended up breaking his own heart, but things were well. Things were well. You know, sometimes for you before we read, you know, sometimes for you as we kind of talk through this, you know, things can be well for you in a lot of different ways. Financially, things can be well. Your job, things can be well. Your personal relationship lives, things can be well. Your family life, things can be well. All that can be well and good. But what if we don't know Christ? What if we truly don't know who he is? Then are things really well? They're not well. So now, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. If you look at verses 4 through four through 11, Solomon says, I, probably about 10 to 12 times. You know, he talks about verse 4, I had great works. I built great houses. I planted vineyards. I made gardens. I made orchards. He did all these things. He literally lists everything that he had. But then in verse 10, look at what he said. Whatever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was the portion of all my labor. So Solomon withheld his heart, withheld not his heart from any joy. Why? Because what was he trying to find? Peace. It is well. But was it well with him? It wasn't well. So what did Solomon really end up doing in the long run? Solomon really ended up breaking his own heart. He really ended up breaking his own heart. So now for us, is it only well when things are going well? You know, I think about, remember when Jesus was on the boat with the disciples and the disciples were frantic? They they went down to the bottom of the boat to go wake up Jesus. And in the midst of it, in the thick of things, when things were difficult, when things were hard, when the storm was 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 going crazy and if you've ever been in a storm close to water you understand how difficult that is you understand that that does give you a certain level of panic jesus was in the midst and the thick of it and what was jesus doing he was asleep so when things were going bad in the storm what was jesus projecting to the disciples and to nature it is well. It is well. And what did Jesus tell them? Oh, ye of little faith. And what did Jesus say to the, to the seas? Peace be still. It is well. It is well. You know, sometimes in life, um, when things don't seem to be going well, that's a very prime time, I'll say. That's a very prime time to get very frantic. And we become frantic because we want to figure it out and we want to get to the end of it. So if we're in a storm and we're in the thick of that storm, we try to find a way to get to the end of that storm so things in our mind can be well again. So now the mountain that we talked about, 
in the first podcast, the mountain to get over that mountain to try to get better. We try to find ways to get up out of that storm because we're tired of the hurt. We're tired of the pain. We're tired of the disappointment. We're tired of going through stuff. We're tired of getting persecuted. We want things to be sunshiny. We want to get to the end of it. So what the end of whatever that is for you, it's different for everybody. But can't you relate to that? Whatever you're going through, I just want to get to the end of it. Like, I want to get to the other side of it. Whatever the other side of it is, I just want to get to the other side. Like, I feel like I've been in the storm for years. I just want to get to the other side. Like, I'm tired of it. But think about that from Jesus' perspective. The thing that you can gain the most, when you really think about this, guys, for us as Christian people, the thing that we can gain the most is actually within the storm. So if we're looking at things from God's perspective, God is looking, why are they rushing to get out of the storm when what I want to give them is within it? So for you and I, and this has kind of changed my perspective, you know, on this too. You know, when you think about hard times, you know, you think about athletes and athletes always talk about the grind. Now there's some, when you watch interviews, there's some that say, well, you know, the grind is this, the grind is that, I, I, you know, we got to do this. I mean, we got to do that. We got to. So they kind of talk about how, you know, the grind is too much. But then you have your your athletes who are champions and they talk about the grind differently. They don't they don't talk about the grind like, man, I had to go through it or man, I'm lucky to get through or that was the hardest thing I've ever done. I never want to do anything close to what I just got out of again. Champions relish it. The way that they talk about, you know, training camp, the way that they talk about the hard times and the rehab and the back-to-backs and the road trips, they relish that because they know within the storm, that's actually the reward for them. The ring, the trophy, the cup, the, the pennant, all that stuff, that's great, but that's the byproduct. The reward is actually the struggle. That's a champion. So for for you and I, the reward is actually the struggle of it. So now when you think about for us, that the trial of your faith, what's, what's that more precious than? Peter said it's more precious than gold that can perish. What can perish for the athlete? A physical ring can rust. A physical banner needs to be replaced. All those things are perishable. But guess what's something that no one can never take away from a champion? You can never take away the satisfaction that I had from putting in work. You can't take that away. You know, Christian, that's the same thing for you. People can take away your rewards. People can take away their flattery. People can take away their support. People can take away all these things, their company. People can take away a lot from you. But what what someone can never take away and what people can never take away is a satisfaction that within this storm, I persevered. That's reward enough. I persevered through this. So now to answer that question, is it only well when things are going well? I propose that it is actually well when things are not going well too. 
So now when you think about what happened here in Ecclesiastes 3, physically things were going well for Solomon. But what was not well within him? His heart was not well. Guys, for you, as you're listening to this podcast, whatever you guys are doing, have you gotten to the point in your life where you try to project to people through social media, through your personality, trying to be like extra bubbly, which that's not bad, but you can kind of use that sometimes to project um, this person that you're okay all the time. But you know that you're in the struggle. You know that it's difficult. You know that it's hard. And so for you, are you kind of like Solomon right now, where seemingly it looks like things are on the up and up for you, seemingly, but in reality, just like Solomon, are you actually heartbroken? Because what did Solomon say? If you look back at that text, Notice what Solomon begins to say, verse 17. Therefore, because of all of this, I hated life. But you have everything. You're projecting to the world and to the nations that things are okay. That's what you've always projected, Solomon. You're the wisest man. Therefore, I hate life. You know, guys, you can get to a point in in your life in general, or even if things are well, you can get to the point where you hate life. I've literally heard people say, I I hate life right now. Like, I hate life. Why did he say that he hated life? Watch what he says. This is the reason why he said he hated his life. Because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous. So to get everything that Solomon just said in verses 4 through 11, it took work. And he put in work. And I'm sure that whatever you have and whatever you're working towards right now, You've put in work up to this point for whatever that is, whether that's a person, whether that's a job, whether that's a house, whether that's a car, whether that's whatever you want to put there. You've probably put in work for whatever that thing is, and you've probably sacrificed for it, and you probably went through long nights for it, and you got it. Now that you have it on the other side of it, the reason why you hate life is not because of the things that you got. You actually hate life. Because you realize that all that work that you put in for that was pointless. But what did Jesus say about his work? Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, when you work for him, that's actually a reward. When you work for things here, you hate life. So as a Christian right now, or even those that are just listening, that have found the podcast. If you found yourself in a state where, yes, you have things, but you hate life, why do you hate life? You hate life for the same reason that Solomon hated life. Because you feel like the work that you put in, it's not fulfilling. It's not as fulfilling as you thought it'd be. He said, everything is vanity, verse 17. Everything is vexation of spirit. Then not only did he hate life, but then he said, verse 18, then I hated all that labor, all that work which I had taken, because after I die, I'm going to leave it to somebody else. And what's that man going to do with it? What's that woman going to do with it? So you see why 
and I'm not saying this is the cause, this is the cause for all of this, but this may be a main cause for all of this. You know, lately, over the past couple, pretty much for my lifetime, there's been a lot of talk on depression. There's been a lot of talk on anxiety. There's been a lot of talk on mental health for a long time. Not saying it didn't exist before because it did, according to Ecclesiastes 3, but it's just been, it's become more popular now. Why do you think that all those things, a factor, I'm not saying in all cases, but why do you think that that is so prevalent today? What is a giant factor in most cases? Not all, not every, but in most cases, why? Because what do we tell our young people and our young women to do? From the moment that they can work, go get the bag. Whatever you got to do, get the money. Whatever you got to do, get whoever you want. Whatever you got to do, get, get whatever possession. Go, go for it. Go get it. Then words like independence come in. Then words like strong come in. Then words that, I mean, you can just go down the line. Because that type of person, oh, you're so driven. Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. But after those people and those young men and women, after they get all that stuff, what do they still say that they are in interviews? I'm depressed. I, I've got anxiety. Not in all cases, not every case, but what do you think a giant factor of that is? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Because they realize what they've been trained to do their entire life. Go get the bag. Go do it on your own. All this stuff, what does it bring? It brings a hatred of life. Why? Because you realize the work that you put in for those things that you've already got, it's not as satisfying as you thought it'd be. So what does it bring? Depression. So what was Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, guys? Depressed. The man was depressed. No, look at what he said. He says he hates, he hates life. And then notice what he did, verse 20. Therefore, I went about, and because I did all this, I caused my heart to despair. Then verse 23, for all his days are sorrow, all his travail, grief, yea, his heart can't even take rest in the night. This is also vanity. Where, does all, where can all that stem from? It can stem from putting the work in the wrong place. But what, is, what does God say? If you put the work in the right place, you won't get this result. So now for us, maybe it's time to put a shift on how hard we're working for certain things. Do we have to provide? Yes. Are there things that are necessary for us? Yes. Are there things that we need to take care of as husbands, as wives? As, yes, there's things we have to take care of. And we don't, we're not going extreme to say don't take care of those things. But the same work that you put in for those things, are we putting in more work for God's work? Because that does not bring this. God's work is actually the reward. So when things are hard for you right now, could it be possible? That is actually well. But for Solomon, he had his ease. But even though he was at the mountaintop, 
How are things for him? Not that well. They're not that well. So for us, is it well? Is it well? So now, as we answer that question, and as we're still kind of moving forward with this thought process and these ideas, so now we saw that, so is it only well when things are going well? From God's perspective, not necessarily, because he uses those storms as we're in the thick of those things. He uses that to give us his heart and his nature. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 9, 1 John chapter 1, God is love. That's his nature, who he is. So how do we know that it is well? How do we know that it is well? Here's a couple things we want to look at. It is well. Number one, as you're in the thick of things, as things are difficult, as things are hard, as there's no answers, as you've been doing the same thing for years, nothing's changing. You know what I'm talking about, all those things. So it is well when you're in that situation, when you don't rush. Normally when things are well, what do we tend to do when we feel like things are well in our lives? We naturally, as human beings, tend to take ease when things are well. So when we win, when we obtain, when we get what we've been working for, we gain a certain level of ease because that thing, you know, that was the goal. So now I have it. Now I don't have to work as hard because it's in my possession now, right? So that's what we tend to do. But I, I remember, and you can see, you know, all this Alabama stuff here. I'm an Alabama fan, and, and Coach Saban would say this. There's many, many, many books on how to get to the top, but there's not many books on how to stay there. See, everybody wants to get to the top, but then when you get to the top and you obtain whatever you wanted to obtain, then you don't know how to stay there because when you obtain it, then what do you naturally begin to do? All right, I got it, so I can take my ease. Remember what the rich man said, you know, he talked about all those barns that he had. Look at all these barns and I'll build more barns and I'll build more barns and I'll take my ease because I have all these things. I'll take my ease. And the Bible says that he said, I will eat, drink and be merry. And what did God tell him? Thou fool, fool, <laughs> you're a fool, you're a fool. So now it is well when you don't rush. So when things are bad, what do we tend to do when things go, go south? We want to rush and do whatever we got to do to feel ease again. You know, so I think about Genesis chapter, chapter 12 and chapter 16. So remember with Abram, obviously he got that promise from God in Genesis 12. But in Genesis 16, when Sarai told him to go with Hagar, because it might be, according to verse 2, that you might obtain children through her. So as they were waiting for a, for a chunk of time up to this point from chapter 12 to chapter 16, when they were waiting for that chunk of time for Isaac, as they're waiting, what are they trying to do as they're waiting? Rush the process. You know, when you rush the process of things, then you really actually miss out on what you've actually been waiting for. So now they're waiting on Isaac, and if they would have continued to wait past chapter 16, God would have fulfilled his promise. But because they got tired of waiting, then what they did was rush. You know, there's, there's many things in this life that we can rush. 
you know, you can rush a lot of things. And so a lot of times we're pressured by people. We're pressured by the world. We're pressured to do things quickly. And if things are done quickly, it's gotten to the point in today's day and age that if something isn't done quickly, then that means it's not good. So if if this thing isn't done the way that I want it done in the time frame that I want it done very fast or in my timetable, the way that I see it done or the way everybody else around me says I should have it done, then it's not a good thing. And we let other people pressure us to say that, well, because I want to see and because I want to wait and because I want to see what's going on, then I'm the bad person because I want to see. Gene, waiting is is actually good. It's actually well when you're in the thick of things. Don't rush. There's a lot of things that we can rush, guys. We can rush um, our relationship with God. You know, we can get to the point where you feel like, I got to know everything right now. I got to do this. You don't have to know everything right now. But don't rush it. Learn. Study. Sit. Be humble. Listen. Go to wise counsel. You don't have to know everything and make every choice right now. Don't rush when it comes to relationships. Well, we got to figure it out and we got to do it now. And and I need an answer. He says he needs an answer now. She says she needs an answer now. And if I don't do it, she's out. If I don't do it, he's out. So I, I feel rushed. I got I got Don't rush that. Because here's the thing about it. When you rush in whatever you want to put in that uh, orb, or in that circle, when you rush with anything, with a project, with a painting, personal stuff, with God, sports, when you rush anything, the end result is always bad. It's always bad. And even if you obtain whatever you wanted to obtain in that rush, you become weaker because you didn't go through the correct process to really get it the right way. So either way, it's a loss. Either way, either way, it's a loss. So now, the more and more that we think about this, the more and more we see it is actually well when you don't rush. You know, there's a, I was talking to Grant about this yesterday. There's a piece with waiting. Now, there's a lot of uncertainty with waiting. I'll, I'll be the first to say that too. There's a lot of uncertainty because you're not, you know, you find out quickly as you're going through your mountain, you find out quickly that you're not in control as much as you thought you were. So you find out that you really don't have much control in a lot of things, but it's very hard to wait because you don't have that control, but it's also very beneficial to wait because you are actually giving power to the one who does have control. But it's hard. It's difficult. So what had they done in Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 16? What had they done up to this point? They took control. I want to rush through this. I want to rush, I want to rush through this right now. And here's the thing about our lives too. You know, I think about Isaiah. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Right. The thing about the eagle, if you know that example that he uses there in Isaiah, the great thing about the eagle 
is that the eagle is one of the only birds that actually loves the storm. It actually loves the storm. So the, the, the eagle will actually use the storm. He will use it to go higher. So for you and I, we can use that storm to be afraid and go back and fly down with the pigeons. Or we can use that storm to go up and fly higher. Now, let me, let me just warn you. Let me warn you. When you see pigeons, you don't really see one, do you? <laughs> you see a bunch of them. You see a bunch. But you know the thing about eagles? Eagles don't fly in packs. So sometimes, guys, and this is, this is hard. I'm just being real and just giving you the reality of this, right? The reality of waiting. The reality of waiting from Isaiah chapter 40. The reality is that, it, that when you wait, many times you have to wait alone. I'm just being honest. Many times you have to wait alone because this world and people have been trained to do things with a quickness. And sometimes you, gotta, you have to learn before you can be what you need to be for a husband, for a wife, for, for a congregation, for other people, for your family, for your friends. Before you can be who you need to be, Sometimes you have to prove to God and you have to prove to yourself that you can do this by yourself. And that that's hard. That's not an easy thing to do. And that is not a, that is not an easy path. And not a lot of people pick that path. And so as you fly over that, you know, you use that storm in Isaiah chapter 40, when you use that storm, what does it say you'll gain though? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So it is actually well, guys, in your mountain and in your storm. It's actually well when you don't rush. Then number two, as, as we look at this a little bit more, I've got it written on my board, so I'm kind of trying to see this here. This is good. So now it is also well when you endure. This is another part, another hard attribute that adds to that waiting and not rushing. It is well when you endure. You know, I think about what Paul mentions, talking about running the race, right, with endurance. It takes endurance to live this Christian life. It takes endurance to do it. And it's a difficult thing. Why? Because remember. Um, in Ephesians chapter 6, why does it become difficult to endure this Christian life sometimes in the storm? Because here's the thing, we're not fighting a literal physical battle. We're fighting this type of battle. If you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So it becomes hard to endure when it feels like you're the only one wrestling, when you're the only one fighting, when you're the only one enduring, and then you're flying and you're in this storm, right? And imagine you're this eagle and you're flying and you're trying to go up and you're using this storm and you get up close to the clearing and you look up and those that you started with, you look around, where, where'd everybody go? 
sometimes principalities, sometimes the pleasures of this world, sometimes other people, sometimes other things, they get snatched in the storm. So number one, it gets hard to endure because sometimes you fly alone, but then it's hard to endure because guess what? You might go back in the storm and try to save them. Come on, man, let's go. Hey, let's go. Let's let's get out of here. You don't need that. No, you, you don't need this over here. So it's hard to endure on both fronts. It's difficult to endure. But remember, if we endure to the end, we will have that crown of life. You know, and again, we use this athlete example before. And, you know, growing up playing sports was was a great thing. And I and I miss that a lot, playing in a competitive uh, um, league. But when you talk about rewards, when you get that trophy or when you get that medal or when you get a ring or when you get whatever from playing, when you get that, that that's a great thing because it's cool to kind of show off the, the trophy and hang the trophy up and see your name on a board or see your name here. I mean, that's cool. That That is, that is satisfying. But it's nowhere near as satisfying as knowing what it took to get it. So getting it is one thing, but knowing what you had to do and knowing what you had to sacrifice, it it almost validates you because it was worth it. So when you endure these hard times, when you endure these difficult times, when when you endure these lonely times, when you endure these trying times, when you actually get the thing that you've been waiting for or the reward or whatever the Lord decides to bless you with, how much more do you think that you'll respect whatever that is? Because you know, I had to wait for this. I went through hard times for this. I flew alone for this. I I did all this for this. So now there's satisfaction in the journey. And here's the thing, guys, as, as we walk together, as I'm preaching here at West End and, and, you know, with personal friends and all that, it's, it's a journey. And we're trying to take people on a journey. We're walking together. Yes, the journey is going to be hard. The journey is going to be difficult. We may have to walk solo on the journey for a while. And don't be afraid to do that if that's the case. But those times that you have to do that and that you make the decision to do that, those times is that's what makes the journey and the mountain worth it. That's what makes getting to the top worth it. So again, going back to Coach Saban, he would always say each each new season is a journey. So now we get to the top with one team and we win a national championship, but the next year it's new guys. It's a totally new team. It's new personalities. So guess what? Yes, we are champions, but we're back at the bottom. Yes, people are aiming at us because they know what we did last year, but this is a whole new team we got to go on a journey with. Don't be afraid to go on the journey because the reward is actually in the journey of it. Remember what Paul mentioned? What did Paul call this life? In Corinthians, he said that this is light affliction, but what's coming? What's coming in the afterlife? It is going to be worth this light affliction. And if you know Paul and the things that he went through, beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, left for dead, all these things, Paul said, this is light. This is light to what's coming. 
and you finally realize when you get to the end, it's light. It's light. So let's go through it. Let's go through it. So it is well when you don't rush. It's well when you endure. But then number three, as we kind of close it out, uh, close these thoughts out here, it is also well when you know who's in control. You know, going back to Isaiah chapter 40, talks about, you know, renewing your strength. Who gives strength? Where does every good gift come from in the book of James? Where does every good gift come from? Come from the Father of lights. What does he tell us to do in Matthew chapter 7? Ask, seek, and knock. What does he tell us to do in Matthew chapter 6? Seek first the kingdom, which is reverencing Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 9. So it is well when you actually know who's in control. You know, sometimes the the things that happen as we walk this life, what becomes very difficult is the reason why sometimes, not all, and this is not the only factor, but one big factor of why we get stressed a lot is because in some facet of our life, we are trying to take control of it. And so when we try to take control of that facet in life, we feel like we have to come up with a perfect solution and answer and situation in order to obtain whatever it is. So the stress comes from you trying to make decisions on your own rather than making decisions from God's word. So we got to understand who's really in control here. And here's, and I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day. Here's a difficulty about having God in control. The reason why we want control over, over certain things and decisions in our lives is because we're afraid that if we don't make a move, if we don't do something in someone else's time frame or in my time frame or in, or in other people's time frame, if we don't make a decision up to that point in their time frame, then we feel like if we give it up or if we don't do anything right now, we're going to miss out. So it's almost like you'd rather make a choice than miss out and have nothing. That's a fear. But who says you'll have nothing? That's a fear that we kind of instill in our minds that we won't have anything. But who says you won't? Could it be possible? Could it be possible? That in your life and in mine, that the Lord is actually waiting on you to give up control so that he can actually lead you where he wants to lead you. Remember David in Psalm chapter 23? What did he mention about leading? He leads me beside the still waters. Did David find those still waters? He, who's the he referencing? So what is David showing us from Psalm 23? I'm not in control here. He led me there. So where you are right now in life, you know, where you want to go, you can't be in control if you want to get there. You have to let God lead. And as we close and as we think about this a little bit more, when you let God lead, Sometimes he's going to allow some things to happen that don't make sense. When you allow God to lead, sometimes he's going to do things that you don't agree with. 
when you allow God to lead, sometimes he'll take things away. When you add God to lead, when you allow God to lead, sometimes he might make things 10 times harder than they were before. And sometimes when those things happen that he allows, sometimes we feel like that gives me the liberty to now therefore take control because apparently God, I guess you don't know what you're doing. But it takes a certain level of faith and trust that when those things happen, God's leading me somewhere. So if you're on this mountain, if you're on this journey, and you feel like you're not there yet, the Lord's not done. He's not done. You got to let him lead. And from personal experience, letting him lead has, has been the most difficult thing ever. It's been hard. But knowing where he wanted you to go and seeing it and then looking and being like, oh, like I see it. It makes sense. But in the moment, you think you think what happened to Job made sense to him? Read the entire book. He was literally saying it doesn't make sense. There, there's 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 court and and Jewish law language in there. He's out. Like, it doesn't make sense. I'm trying to understand this. You think what happened to Joseph made sense to him? It didn't make sense. But even though it didn't make sense to these guys, guess what they understood? I have no idea why he's letting this happen. I have no idea why he took that away. I have no idea why he's doing this. And it hurts that he did it. But he's leading me somewhere. And it's my job as a sheep to follow him. I got to follow. Don't be afraid to follow. And for you, for you guys, the best way that you can actually lead people and lead your wife and lead congregations, lead other people, lead friends, the best way that you can lead is actually being the best follower and actually showing and projecting that I actually am not in control. I'm following his lead. That's how I lead. That's how we got to lead, fellas. That's how we got to do it. And that's everyone. That's how we have to follow him. So the Lord gave you this mountain. He's letting this happen. I don't know why. I wish I can give you an answer. Trust me, I do. But the Lord gave you this mountain. But maybe let's, let's take it from this perspective. It is well. Just let them lead. Let them lead. So I hope that was able to help you guys and encourage you as it, as it always does me. And I'm just thankful to study and, and for the opportunity that we have to do this. And I uh, really appreciate what you guys are doing for the podcast. And uh, thankful that you guys are here and, and new listeners. So continue to like the podcast, share the podcast uh, with your friends and family and those that you know, subscribe. And we're just so thankful that we can be here and help each other grow. So Lord willing, we will see you guys with another one on Monday. Thanks, guys.